Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. Philippians chapter two, let's look at verse five. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him a name that's above every name in heaven and earth and under the earth that every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to use this full explanation of what God did for us to talk to you about what to do when life makes you feel small. What to do when life makes you feel small. Many people miss the fact that in biology, an embryo is the size of half a grain of sand. I want you to imagine with, it, with me half the size of a grain of sand. We many times forget that Jesus was big before he was an embryo or the size of half a grain of sand. Before you were an embryo, you were nothing. Before Christ was an embryo, he was the second person of the Holy Trinity. He existed from eternity to eternity. He was, he is, and he will be to come from everlasting to everlasting. He always has been. He always will be. There is no beginning to him and no end. And the Bible says that Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. I want you to consider it because many people think that Jesus is like God's administrative assistant, like God junior, if you will. But the scripture says it very differently, that Jesus is equal to God, the father in every way. The Bible in Genesis chapter 126 says, let us make man in our image. So Jesus was fully present during the creation miracle. Colossians one in verse 17 says before all things and in him, he holds all things together. John one says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father. And so here he is. He goes from being part of the all powerful Godhead living in a perfect heaven where there's no sun because he himself had so much glory radiating from him that he lights up heaven. And then the Bible begins to explain to us how this powerful almighty God begins to descend down to this dark and fallen world. And he becomes an embryo, half the size of a grain of sand in the womb of a 14 year old girl going from complete light to total darkness in a woman's womb. My question to you is how do you respond when you face that kind of an experience where, where you go from maybe being something to feeling like nothing, where you go from maybe a high place to a low place, maybe a happy place to a sad place, maybe, maybe a loving place to a hate filled place, or maybe a hopeful place to, to a bitter place. What do you do when life makes you small? What do you do when life has this way of making you feel insignificant, inadequate, like you don't measure up in some way. I remember years ago, 
I was getting on a plane and I mostly fly, fly Delta. And so I have gold status this year. I'm 300 miles away from platinum status. Can you believe that 300 miles away? I couldn't get there. You're like, what's the big deal about that? Well, they upgrade you. That's right. So you get to go up to first class every now and then. And you know, you get to go in on early and they set you there and you get to watch all the normal people walk past you. And so I'd been upgraded to first class. I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. And so I sit down in my seat and, uh, you know, I'm there enjoying everything, you know, you, you know, what do you want to drink? And, you know, bringing us out cranberry juice and all kinds of awesome things and little cookies and watch everybody go by. And this guy plane is full guy runs onto the plane, sweating, huffing and puffing comes right to me and says, you're in my seat. I was like, no, this is my seat. Flight attendant picks up on what's going on. So she comes and asks to see my ticket. And I'm like, no problem. I show her the ticket. And she says, I'm sorry, sir, but you're in coach. Right? So I know my Bible a little bit. So I begin to talk to this flight attendant about where she was going to spend eternity. And they took me from first class and I was one row off three feet curtain and three feet. And I was so miserable the entire flight, knowing everybody on that whole plane saw me think I was first class, <laughs> but I was, I was coach. I don't think anybody does well when you lose prestige or maybe a position. If you've experienced a demotion in an organization or on a job, I'll tell you what you do. You leave it. I've watched it for years. 99% of people, if they even feel the slightest cut in some way or another, they're gone. And the reason is, is because no one likes to lose. No one likes to be overlooked. No one likes to, you know, not be climbing the ascension ladder to success. But Christmas is about the single greatest demotion that's ever occurred in the history of the world. Jesus did not consider it to be equal with God. This was not something that, that he struggled to grasp. This isn't something he, he robbed. It wasn't something he took from God. Instead, he's explaining to us that he was in splendor. He was in the beauty and the majesty of heaven. And he gives all of that up. And we cannot many times grasp exactly how far he came down, what he actually gave up. He didn't give heaven up for a day or a week or a month or a year. He didn't do it part time like he would show up when we were all awake and and hang out with us. But when we all went to sleep, go back and make sure that heaven was being taken care of. All he had ever known 24 seven for eternity was being worshiped and being adored. Angels surrounding the throne 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. First Corinthians 2 and verse 9 says that we couldn't even comprehend if we tried what heaven is like. Paul said that it's unspeakable. He couldn't even find words to explain it. And Jesus left that for 33 and a half years, left the splendor, left the wonder, left the glory. And he was reduced all the way down to half the size of a grain of sand in an embryo in the womb, the dark womb of a woman. There has never been and there never will be again such a descent in all of human history. It doesn't stop there, though. He would be born in an animal stable. We romanticize this, but there's nothing romantic about it. He was born in a place that was built for animals, filthy, unsanitary conditions, laid in a feeding trough that we call a manger. His first breath would burn with animal urine. What does a descent like this look like? How dark could you possibly go? How far down could you possibly shrink yourself? An almighty God, how far down could he go? Well, the Bible says it keeps getting darker. Before Jesus could take his first step, he was being smuggled into another country as an illegal alien to avoid the evil, dark, inhumane genocide of male children by a man named Herod. The only one that, that could understand how far this descent was, of course, would be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one we worship is now on the run for his life at the age of two years old. Is there more of a dark demotion than that? Well, verse two, chapter two, verse seven that we just read says he takes on the form of a servant where the disciples many times were too proud to wash one another's feet. Sounds a little bit like the church today, does it not? Jesus would strip himself of his robe, get a towel, and he would fill a water basin and wash the dirty, filthy, stinky feet of his disciples. He had teach his heart out for hours. He gave them truths about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. These people with little to no education would show up and judge him and jeer and mock him and many times try to assassinate him. And if you don't think it could get any darker than that, you just have to remember that he was betrayed by someone he invested three years of his life into, a personal relationship. He was deserted by his closest followers in his most needed desperate hour. He was falsely accused of a crime he never committed. He was beaten brutally like a common thug by the very people he gave their breath to. But it can't get any darker than that, right? Well, verse eight says he was obedient to death, even death on a cross, which means the most powerful being in all of the universe had never known sin, but he took on all the sin of the whole world, past, present, and future. The darkest sin of earth's worst criminals was coursing through the son of God's body. The sin of the murderer, the sin of the rapist, the sin of the molester and pedophile and the adulterer. And we could keep going on and on. If you don't think I touched on your sin, we got to Remember that gossip and strife and pride and division fall right behind those sins as well and causes just damage as almost anything else. All these years, I've served God and I've looked back over my life and, and just my sin alone blows my mind. I have this big pile of my sin and it wasn't just my sin and it wasn't just your sin and I'm guessing you have quite a pile as well. But he took on the sin of the whole world. No one has ever been more filled with sin than Jesus was on the cross. The guilt and the shame and the darkness. Surely this is as low as he could go. Surely this is as dark as it could get, but it's not even close. 
He stripped naked, humiliated, left to die. The author of life, the very breath of life, draws his final breath and he dies. He submits to the ultimate form of darkness. The Bible says he was cast into hell for three days. The scripture defines that as outer darkness. The descent into ultimate darkness for the remission of your sin and for mine. What I know is this, and the reason I'm talking about this is every Christmas, people show up at church and it is a dark time for many. This Christmas is not what you wanted it to be. The people that you hoped would be here, the, the, the circumstances that surround this time of year is not what you hoped it would be. And so it's a dark time for you. But I want to remind you that the very first Christmas was dark as well, that we're here today celebrating and that even though we love God and we hope that this is a time where God will begin to show you some light, this is a time where we're reminded that Jesus came down, he drew near, and he became small so you and I could come into this place and have access to God the Father. There's this great story that many years ago I told about Thomas Kincaid, who's no longer with us. He's gone to be with the Lord, and he's referred to as a painter of light. As a little boy, he was a latchkey kid, and he hated the appearance of his house when he would get off the bus as a child. Many times it would be dark out, and because of his mom being a single mom, a working mom, the, his house would be lifeless and dark. So every painting that Thomas Kincaid has has a house in it where the windows are not lit. Even in a dark room, though, he's, he's made it a point to provide a special paint that even the darkest rooms have a glimmer of light to them. Galleries that have Thomas Kincaid paintings in them, they have a dimmer where they'll make it darker and darker and darker, and what you see is the light in the windows get brighter and brighter and brighter. He would have four daughters, all of them with the middle name Christian. He was interviewed and was quoted by saying, I am a warrior of light. I move into the realm of darkness and I bring light. This is our calling to be warriors of light. The Bible says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Zechariah says there will be a light in the evening time. As our world grows darker, let's remember in this holiday season that we're to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. That Jesus descended into utter darkness to save us and rescue us so we could also be warriors of light. Maybe you sense, man, I feel, I, I, I feel small. I, feel, I have look around my life and, and there is that sense of, of just, you know, do I have value or am I loved or do I matter or does any of this matter? And that sense of being inadequate, it really does sometimes feel like we just get so small. But I love the fact that Jesus became the size, half the size of a grain of sand. The God of all the universe to teach us how even in those places, God can use you to be a light, a warrior of light. God can take that loss. God can take that hurt, heartache. God can take that brokenness if you'll let him. And he can use you to be a light to people like no one else can. But this is how the scripture ends here. So this is what Paul's doing. So I want you to see this. What Paul's doing is he gave some encouragement in verse one through verse five. And the encouragement was how we're to treat one another, how we're to go at life and how we're to go at relationships. But he knew that the church of Philippi would push back. And so he reminds them how low Jesus went because he's going to ask them to also become small. 
So let's hear what he says and why he preached the sermon that I just preached to you. So I'm kind of going at it a little backwards, but I felt like it would help you. So this is what he said before he talked about Jesus descending into the kind of darkness that he did. And this is to you. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. The same love being one in the spirit and one mind. God has always called his church to be a unified church, to stay together in unity, to be of one mind, one heart, so easy to pull apart, so easy to go our own way, so easy to uh, magnify our own opinions, so easy to get all caught up on things that at the end of the day are semantics and probably don't matter. And maybe you think that they do, but in the meantime, let's get some work done. And then in heaven, we can debate all you want for the rest of eternity. But sometimes you got to say, that's not that important. That's not that important because we've got a mission in front of us. And that mission to happen requires us to stay together in unity. Then at number two, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Isn't that amazing? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So the second thing we do is we humble ourselves and we say, what can we do? How can I help? How can I serve? How can I find my towel? I don't want to be one of the disciples that's trying to figure out, you know, who's going to be jockeying for some position. I'm not afraid to be small. I'm not afraid to, to let situations make me feel small because I understand that as he became small, I can't be too big to do the small things or I'll be too small to do the big things. And then it says, rather in humility, value others above yourself. So good. Just be humble. Stay small in your mind. Don't get all big in your head. Not looking for your own interest, but each one for the interest of the others in all your relationships with one another. Have this mindset that was in Christ. So the mindset where he left heaven came down to be half the grain of the size of sand. That mindset's to be in you and 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 you the same mindset is to be in you and you and you and you same mindset is to be in us in all of our relationships look around be like he's talking about you talking about you that means i got to forgive you i got to let it go i got to give you some grace come on i got to give you a free pass go ahead and do it just do it. just look over at him so look, see, it's, it's, we're, we're going to get through this season. We're going to be humble. Y'all are so stubborn. <laughs> Put your hand on your heart. You didn't want to look at your person next to you because you feel convicted, don't you? Thank you, God. How small you became. We gather this time of year as your people. And we ask that you would remind us all to take on the form of a servant. No matter how important we are outside these walls, no matter how unimportant we are in this place, Jesus, you're our example. And we're asking that you use us as Christmas season as servants to our communities, servants in Anderson, servants in Grant County servants here in Florence and the surrounding areas 
Use us, God, to be servants to those who are watching online or wherever they're watching from. Give us a great anointing. Your word says that the harvest would be plentiful, but the laborers would always be few. And Father, let us be reminded that Christmas time is a time where so many are looking for a servant, someone to get out of their comfort zone and love someone and invite someone into your house. Every single one of us, let us go from this place like missionaries. Give us a burden for the lost. Give us a burden for people that don't know the joy and the peace that we have. Father, let us get out of our comfort zones, but let us make a difference this time of year. Let us be that light in the midst of so much darkness. In Jesus' name, anoint every campus, anoint everything we do for your glory and for your honor. And we all said a big amen. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv slash dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.